awesome day today. And Nick, what do you think of the new music? You like it? New intro, right? Pretty good. I haven't listened to it. Well, come on. You're listening to it right now, right, uh, Brian? Can you kick it up a little louder for us, please? Thank you. That's your job. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, welcome to Hospitality with Purpose, Johnson Wheels uh, Hospitality with Purpose podcast series. This is Hospitable with Nick and Dean. Hey, Nick. What's up, what's guys? Up, how you, how doing? you doing? Hey, what's up, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Brian, how are you? Our producer Brian Lavin. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. I got to tell you guys, last week. Our last uh, episode that we did, with uh, we had part two with Jason Evans. Right. You guys were here for a short period of time, and that's a bone we're going to pick with you, Professor, uh, a little bit later, because you guys had to leave the podcast. It was awkward and weird here. It Why was, is that? It was just really uncomfortable not having you guys here. See, you do miss us. I know. So uh, t- talk about getting your wings clipped, your ego clipped, done, done, taken care of. Good. So missed you, buddy. Uh, this is season three, Nick. Yes, it is. What episode, episode is seven. it? Episode seven. Episode seven. Good season so far. Lots of episodes. Lots of lots of expert witnesses. Uh, witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> lots of expert, expert witnesses, Nick. <laughs> um, great experts in industry. Um, do, do, do you have a favorite off the top of your head, Nick, from season season three so far? I think I, I know what it is. Who it is? I don't. I, I, say. I wouldn't say it's a favorite, but I think I really had fun with uh, Professor Bowman on the. Um, I know. Um, with the uh, health uh, protocol and and just I couldn't I th- honestly I thought it was going to be a boring right subject to talk about but it too. was so entertaining and, and so informative it know? was you know we had Nick we um we had Patricia Bowman she specializes in uh, safe food, food safety handling, handling food safety right <laughs> she has more initials after her name than I think anybody I've ever seen in my life. Um, but what a, what a fun episode. It was great. That was great. Yep. Enjoyed it. Um, should mention, coming up, Nick, next week. Yes. Season three, episode eight, Dr. Bud. Right. Dr. Bud's coming in. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's a follow-up to our, what, what episode it was It was with Magnus, right? Episode two. Yeah. Yeah. Cannabis entrepreneurship. Yeah, sounds interesting. We had Dr. Uh, Magnus with us, and now we got Dr. Bud nice. coming in. Went and saw the facilities over here. Great. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good stuff happening. Um, so, hey, before we get started, for our guests, before we introduce them, I know, Nick, you're going to do the intro today. Um, I am. The, you are. You are. The uh, opinions, the thoughts, the feelings shared in the show are not necessarily representative of Johnson & Wales. As a matter of fact, they're not. They're just of the guest and of us and our producer. So just for the record. Um, Nick, how can people get in touch with us? Because we uh, getting some action there. We'll talk about it a little later. Yeah, so our uh, Gmail, if anyone would like to email us, any recommendations for future shows or any comments or, or anything that they would like to share with us, it's uh, Nick and Dean uh, Hospitable at gmail.com. And we also have our Instagram, which is Nick and Dean Podcast. Nice. I see you doing That's a little it. action over there, see huh? That? Doing some posts. See that? Love it. Trying. So, actually, we got some uh, emails, Nick. Got we, some comments. For, got some comments about the show from some listeners. Also, some questions. A couple uh-oh. for you. Interesting. And uh, we're going to talk, talk about one of those today. All right. So, what do we got going on, Mr. Macris, today? You know, we got a big guest. Well, please, you introduce them. You, you, I'd be happy you to. You do a great sure. job. Okay, Absolutely. well, listen. The man, the myth... The legend, 
straight from Xavier Academy, room 109, <laughs> Professor Michael Sabatoni. Welcome, Clean. sir. Welcome, sir. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. So it was a pleasure to be with you guys. Clean, clean your nose a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is your second time with us, yes? It, it is. It is my second time. Do you remember what our last interview was? What we talked about? Yeah, we talked about the um, spirit-free and non-alcoholic beverage trends that are actually still uh, doing well. And then we had, as a follow-up, just so you're aware, is we had Brian Werner uh, come in. He's heading up the Beverage Institute here. The right? Center Do you know for, him? <laughs> yeah, he's the Center for Beverage Education and Innovation. He's the director. He's doing a great job. We've been talking about beverages throughout the whole three seasons here, always. Um, so it's a hot topic, and, 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 and you know it's, uh, we're going to continue to talk about that. But, sir. But I, I actually, if, yeah, you, if you allow me, I'd like to give a plug. Um, we are actually going to be holding a um, spirit-free holiday craft cocktail with sparkling wine competition here at Johnson & Wales. Um, student entries. And uh, that's actually going to take place. The competition is December 8th. We're in the process now of uh, doing practice runs with students as they submit their app- uh, their recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, totally alcohol-free. It's uh, with the Sparkling Wines with our um, our partners, Better Roads, which is uh, 70% of their portfolio are um, spirit-free wines. And students are going to make a, a craft holiday cocktail with the Sparkling nice. Wines that they provided with us. And uh, the winner, as in the past, with our other competitions, will receive an all-expensive-paid trip to Chicago at the Chicago Food Show in May. Nice. It's exciting. How do I do my application again? Where do I submit that to exactly? I think you're excluded. <laughs> so, I mean, we're always doing those kind of things, huh, Michael? It's all about student engagement. That's yeah. the reason why we're here. That's the reason why we want to keep it going and um, work with our industry partners and um, really expose the students to really what's happening out in the industry today. Gotcha. Well, season three, episode one, Nick and I talked about sort of the state of the industry, that being the food and beverage industry. Sure. We're not nearly as equipped to speak about that as you are. I mean, really, you're the boss here, and you've got to pretty much know all these things in order to how to conduct or direct, I would, I would imagine, the department, the staff, the content in classes, et cetera. True or? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Great. So I understand you got some stuff for us, and you're going to be right up Nick's alley because Nick's the big research guy. He likes all this uh, oh. content. You do, Nick. Put you do. Come on. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So what's going on? You want to go ahead, Michael, no, right. please. So if you um, really, um, we're very fortunate because um, here in Rhode Island, you know, we have a very active hospitality association. And every year, uh, Dale Venturini and her team puts on the uh, Economic Outlook Breakfast. Um, and what that actually encompasses is uh, representatives from the Lodging Association as well as NRA, National Restaurant Association. They come up and they, they give the members a really good snapshot of what, was what we just gone, went through and what we can actually see uh, for the future um, for at least a year or so and, and mm-hmm. what some of the things that we need to be aware of as we move forward. Much of this information is shared at all their conferences, of course, um, as I just mentioned, the NRA show in Chicago. So um, we get a really good um, way to um, get a grasp on what we should be doing academically to support our industry partners, but most importantly, educate our students on what's really taking place in the future and really what drives the industry. So, you know, looking at the state of the restaurant industry, which you guys asked me to talk about, and we yeah. just have a, a basic conversation overall 
overall, sales continued to advance um, in the restaurant industry um, from 23 and 24. Let's, you know, we want to put COVID behind us, and we know what that actually did to the state of the restaurant industry. Um, but moving forward, um, things are looking up. And, you know, you have to realize any type of uh, business is going to have a direct, especially in a hospitality business, I should say, it's direct correlation with the economy. Um, you know, if you don't have that disposable income, if you're not going out, it's not going to really help our, our industry partners out there from restaurants, hotels, attractions, et cetera. So, um, you know, they're predicting a modest growth for 2024. Um, but, you know, really, the industry is doing well. I mean, we're, we're dealing with some of the, the major issues that we have been coming out of COVID where we're trying to staff and our proper staffing levels. You know, cost of food is up. Um, the p- supply chain is still a pest or really plaguing us in these areas. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's a positive light as we move forward and looking at it. But one thing that uh, you guys also want me to talk about, uh, besides being my hat of food and beverages, my hat in travel and tourism and being that department chair. And, you know, when we look at travel and tourism and really what tourism does for overall the restaurant industry, in a typical year, $3.10 in um, comes in from travelers and visitors to a particular area. And when you look at that, what's really the segment of the food and beverage industry that's um, hit, uh, really profits from that is fine dining. The uh, fine dining restaurants are the most uh, reliant when it comes to travel and tourism. Think about it. Think about when you travel maybe with your family or even with your friends or even going to a business conference. You're more likely to splurge a little bit more making that more memorable than you are in your back at home in of your course. very day and having dinners, etc. So uh, it's reported that um, on the average of fine dining establishments, 41% of sales come from travelers and visitors to the different destinations for some fine dining operations it's actually a larger it's one in four fine dining operators say that travelers and visitors account for at least 60 percent of their sales prior to covid and that's a lot that's a big deal i mean our friends gracie here in providence they're you know a specialty restaurant as we know and they heavily rely on the convention and conference business coming into the city um and that's where they actually drive from and then you know when you really look at it in the economics and if you really get down to it Higher income households are prime restaurant customers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at over 50% of individuals that are prime restaurant customers, we categorize them as making over $100,000 a year. In fact, just under 100000 just under two under 2000 accounts for 33%, but over 2000 and more basically accounts for about 24%. That's over 50% Percent. of wow. income. So it's really caters that that market caters to the higher income. I mean, going no on and eat. I mean, my wife and I are pretty fortunate. We um, we don't have any children and, you know, we, we eat out about four times mm. a week. Sort of makes sense though, right? The more yeah. money you have, the more money you have to splurge on, on those type of amenities. And, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, most definitely, most more definitely. More more money more problems no doubt (laughs) but you know also with that and what people will report and when we look at statistics what they love about restaurants 84 percent saying going out to restaurants with family and friends gives Mm -hmm. them the opportunity to socialize yeah and that's how i look at too you know we we work hard um last night i was out with the providence college basketball players kicked off their college season here last night and um you know there were my friends and everyone out having a nice meal before the game i mean it was a great time to socialize and catch up and see what things are doing so you know when you think about that's a large percentage of a reason why people want to go out to socialize Socialize. Would it be safe to say, Michael, that that's probably, if not the main reason, one of the reasons that the restaurant industry was able to bounce back 
after the, the pandemic? Most definitely. Right. Most definitely. Yeah. Just that pent up demand. I mean, yeah. we, we actually saw skyrocketing reports. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and but we're still actually trying to win our, work our way through that because we don't have the employees. Every mm. basically survey that you see, restaurateurs are still telling us that we're not at capacity um, and to fill all those types of positions. So although we have the people coming back, um, we're, we're still in that area where we're that gray area where we're trying yeah. to make sure yeah. we have our yeah. employees up. What do you think that that's uh, the cause of that, Michael? The lack of a f- workforce. Uh, I, I I think if you look back at that time, I mean, keep in mind those were desperate times for people that were in the hospitality industry where restaurants shut it. There were some that never opened. Um, there were some other businesses related to hospitality that didn't rebound. Um, and as we stated before, and uh, I was interviewed by um, a, a magazine um, shortly after COVID, we had to reinvent ourselves. We had to reinvent ourselves so people would actually come back to our environments. And because people looked at going out after COVID differently. Right. Um, you, know, you know, the way that we um, were t- touching things. The way that the right. things were presented to us, you know, from menus and now QR codes, which are here to stay, as we know, and yeah. some going back to the paper menu, but some people are still freaked out. And well also sitting on top of each other in, in the in the chef's tables or the longer tables. Right. Um, a lot of people looked at that differently. So um, I, I also think that to answer your question, why are we still in um, trying to catch up as far as the, the employee side of things? People changed their mind. They were burned. They, um, yeah. they, you know, they, they lost their livelihood and they had to figure out something else. Um, and we, we realized that the hospitality industry, which we actually profess on a daily basis here at the university, is a great lucrative job where you can no make money. You can yeah. definitely make money in our industry. But, um, but it's know, taxing. It is. Right. Yeah. It's taxing. It's hot and Both sold. physically and mentally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Yeah. Michael, what was the first event like post-COVID? You just got me thinking about this. When you went out, you went, whoa, we're kind of back again or moving in our way. Something significant. Was it a game, PC game? Was it an event? I was thinking of something. I don't know if you have one too, Nick. But I remember when you're saying we're still feeling some of the ramifications. But I often look around and go, wow, we're back, man, in many other ways. You know, stadiums full. Um, you know, concert halls full. Yeah, I think that's that, that masses of people gathering. That's what I was going to say. For me, I think one of the major events that I went to, and we were a little skeptical about it, and um, it was the Bruno Mars concert. Yeah, and it was at the MGM over uh, at the Fenway Park. Yeah, um, and and it was the first time at that venue, and I remember going in there and just seeing all these people in no mask. It was the first time I was in a large environment yeah. with no mask because I have gone in the past uh, two events with wearing a mask. Um, but this was, there were no masks and we were shoulder to shoulder. Um, my wife did get COVID though after that. <laughs> really? Oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, Nick, what are you, are you, do you remember your first time? I go, something that you knew something was changing. I was just happy things were back to normal, right? I just remember going out and having the ability to, to, to socialize again, right? But I find myself many times, uh, due to the fact that I have three kids, that yeah. my wife and I rarely, find the time to uh, spend together, whether it's for dinner or whatever. But, um, you, you know, I don't miss out. I, I try to get out. I like to go out myself, and I'll just find myself sitting at a bar and not talking to anybody, 
but just having the ability to be surrounded by other people and 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 just interacting with people and it, I missed that. Yeah. I really missed that. And it it was that that I remember the the first opportunity after the pandemic that uh, the restrictions had eased right. enough for us to go back to a semi normal. Uh, state and I just that's that was my thing I just love getting out of the house and having the ability to do that Nick I'm watching you speak and I was going I'm just feeling envious right now you got that resonant voice that deep voice my sisters came down one from California and one from uh, northern New Hampshire this weekend and I had a podcast of course course, right I'm shoving it down as many people's throats as possible. Can I interrupt for a second? Yes. I saw a sticker somewhere. Oh. That was <laughs> that was uh, very questionable. I'm just wondering if that was planted. Or, uh, anyway. Uh, well, 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 boss, you know, you, you know, you're a marketer, you do, right? Do you mean when I was exiting the parking lot? Yes. Everybody's going to see the hospitable Nick and Dean. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to know nothing. I see nothing. Since we're talking about that, I should mention that is your door prize for the day, sir. It's a sticker for hospitable with Nick and Dean. So, if you see him around, it's got our QR code. Just go ahead and take a picture. Right? (laughs) So, (laughs) pretty funny. I forget what we were talking about. What the hell were we talking about? (laughs) Uh, Oh, your sisters came down. Oh, yeah. So, they, they said, oh, my God. What a great voice. And I went, thank you. And they went, no, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks a lot for thanks. that. Hey. So, Michael, um, what, what do you feel like? Yeah, what do you want to cover now? So, I I, actually, wanna, there's so much. I know there's a lot to cover yeah, here. But. No, well, I mean, one thing we mentioned, and, and Nick said, you know, what was some of the reasons why? And I talked about the employees. But um, one thing that I did mention uh, where I some of the restaurants didn't open up is people had to reinvent themselves. And one thing that we have seen, and when we look at the state of the industry, uh, the restaurant industry now, is the um, technology and the mm-hmm. engagement mm-hmm. in technology. Right. Um, and, you know, when you focus on that, um, that's up. Um, you know, I remember talking to a, a fine dining establishment at one point during um, just coming back from the COVID period. And um, he said to me, you know, my food doesn't doesn't really carry well for DoorDash. Right. It doesn't, you know, really, you know, we're not going to have our food going out that way. Um, That changed. To not do that that revenue generation. In the beginning. That all changed. Really? That changed. Because they had to embrace what the consumer was requesting. And, you know, one thing that we learned during COVID where we were pulling up to restaurants after we called in or emailed in. Um, and we, they came out with the bag and we never had to leave the car. Yeah. That's still important today. Uh, once again, there are individuals that are not going out. There are individuals that uh, we, we see what we call off premise mm-hmm. basically has increased substantially. Yeah. Um, and that people started to have to embrace that. And so it was about, I want to say about five to six months afterwards, I visited that friend. In fact, I was with that friend last night at his establishment and, um, oh yeah. They welcome. It's yeah. just that they're not given that full menu. They're given a, um, a smaller but menu of food yeah. that can actually go into containers that are still going to keep the quality mm-hmm. of the food that they would have if they were sitting in their dining establishment. You know, you're not going to get those tableside docolatons um, and chateaubriand yeah. going out, but you're right. going to get the, the the other types of foods that they prepared that can actually 
you know, weather the, the, um, the uh, transportation and still have quality. And that's really what it is. So really what we have seen is restaurateurs embracing technology, and they really need to, and especially the generations now that are, are out there. They're, they're looking at this. We talk about how we, we're using our phones and how we're using our different apps um, to order food. And even um, paying at the table, um, it's making it more efficient. Um, things that we didn't, you know, instead of handing us a check and pulling out the credit card, everything's done just by the consumer now at the table. And so we really need to look going forward. Restaurant tours are really embracing the different technology that's actually out there. And it's because of the demand, the right. demand of the consumer. I have a confession to make, Nick. You know, I did this morning. <laughs> I actually did a DoorDash for my first time. Exactly what you're talking yeah. about today. This morning, it was early. I was hungry. Didn't have much food in the house. I said, I'm going to do a DoorDash delivery. I mean, it took me 20 minutes to set up the friggin' app and to get on the membership. I had a membership code. I had to do all these things. And it was super expensive, I felt like. I ordered through IHOP. DoorDash delivered it. Mm. To what you're saying, Michael. The food came. It just wasn't the same as when I was in the uh, restaurant. Uh, mm. You know, get the hash browns. What happens to crispy hash browns when you put them in a styrofoam or a plastic container? They were soggy, of course. So I found the experience to be pricey, and I found the food not to be as good today for my first experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and then you think about the um, the the type of unit that's the restaurant or food service outlet that you uh, you basically contacted. I mean, um, you know, these are things that people that are really want to make sure that their food is quality going out. They're going to be looking at the containers. They're going to be right. looking out. They're going to take the. Uh, the time for uh, transportation in there and how it actually holds up. Um, not everything fits well in a nice little Chinese right. container to go. Mm-hmm. So, so you suggesting like consumers, if the restaurant <laughs> hasn't created an abbreviated menu for DoorDash or for these um, delivery services or for pickups, that they maybe consider what they're ordering on the menu and how that translates once it goes in a to-go box and gets home. Yeah, I, once again, I also think it's, uh, you know, when it's, when you think of the consumer and they, they're going to this, um, a particular establishment, knowing that establishment and knowing what that food is that they actually serve. I mean, well, let's face it, we know that things uh, travel a lot faster and a lot easier than other things. And, and you know, the restaurant tours are still going to put out their food and their menu but, and offer the entire menu. And there's some that are very um, protective um, of, of their quality of food as it goes forward. But then also, you know, when we talk about that, and that's um, off-premise, um, and I had mentioned already the technology. It's still being embraced. You know, keep in mind, I, I was listening to what you had to say, and you were a little reluctant the first time with DoorDash. And, you know, if I look at the statistics, the baby boomers are the, uh, one of the individuals that are least likely to want to be engaged in technology. They still want to sit at the table and, and have that service. Um, but then as, a, as you see the other generations from the Generation Xs to the Millennials to the Generation Zs, those are the highest ones that really want that technology and could care less about the individual coming over to the table like we want that yeah. personalized service and i say we because i'm a baby boomer so yeah. and you're big time you go out a lot michael right i mean you go out to do quite often I mean, we, so we do pretty we, in touch with what's going we're on fortunate. yeah we're fortunate to do that yes what else we got going on what so else? let's talk yeah, about what you know as we kind of Ooh. think about what's let's talk about some of the things that are hot in the Ten hot trends <laughs> all right <laughs> What's hot? Well, you know, it's funny, and and, and I love this, and yeah. I and I want to. Uh, in fact, uh, Professor Lavin, who's joining us today, um, can even contest to this because he was actually part of this group. One of the number one top 
trends for 23 going into 24 is experience local culture and community. And the reason why I just mentioned uh, Professor Lavin is because we were fortunate recently to uh, sit down with uh, Dr. Billington, who is the director of Blackstone Valley Tourism and his team. Yep. Um, and they've done something that's really unique. You know, when we look at branding a destination, you know, you're going to have the peaks and valleys and sometimes, you know, what you've always done is something that you can't continue to always do, but you always have to reinvent maybe some type of brand or um, some different types of ideas. And one thing that they actually zoned in on in that beautiful area that we know as the Blackstone Valley Corridor, is that um, they actually put together a food trail, an international food trail with 40 ethnic restaurants. Whoa. And you know, when you think of these restaurants, these are not your, um, your chain establishments. These are the communities, the cultures coming in, mom and pop, and opening up smaller restaurants and, and, um, and for the consumer. So he zoned in on it. He and his team zoned in on this and capitalized on this. And, you know, as he shared with us during um, our, our debriefing with him, um, they really had to get some people on board and think about this mom and pop um, operator and not really knowing what how the benefits this could actually be and how to convince them. Um, but I, I think it's really great if you want to add to that, uh, sir. Right. Um, talk about it. Right in, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I think um, the thing that surprised me the most about that, right, was the um, cultural stories that come with it, yeah. right? So, you know, he was talking about how in Central Falls they have a huge Colombian food mm. population. And it's like, why <laughs> is there a Colombian food population sitting in Central Falls, right? right? Yeah. What, what, what brought that on? So they started to do the work to unpack that the factories back in the day attracted Colombians for whatever reason, textile factories made sense. They came in and then created restaurants for their own kind of communities that have stayed and endured, right? And now you have this cool Colombian food scene in Central Falls. So it's like that that trend is spot on, right? Because it's identifying what are the stories behind why these restaurants exist and trying to package them together. I love yeah. it. That's I, awesome. I think that's great. And it, it's uh, actually a cheap plug. We're going to have James and Laura on uh, <laughs> a future hospitality with purpose podcast. Oh, that's well great. In the coming weeks. That's we great. And they can, they, can, they can tell you more all about that. And then, you know, rounding out some of the other trends that are in this, this is, I can't, I don't know. Tell us. You know, I just can't. I, I'm looking at this. I'm trying to embrace it from um, raising cane chicken to I found out there's another trend. It's fried chicken sandwiches and chicken sandwiches. Yeah. That's the second trend all over the place. I even find them now in some of the restaurants that yeah. I go to are offering <clears throat> chicken sandwiches. And these are like, um, you know, these are not quick casual dining establishments. These are high-end restaurants that offer a chicken sandwich. A raising canes is? Yeah. Like their footprint yep. is massive. And they serve tenders. I've never yeah. even heard of them. Where are they Chicken from? Well, you're, you're, gonna, you're going to hear of them oh, yeah? because they're oh, opening yeah. it in Warwick, Rhode Island. They're in Johnston, Rhode Island. Yeah. They, I think they got three or four. There's one in um, uh, Seekonk coming up. The building. Or, yep, yeah. three or four locations in this area. Huge. But you know, you know, keep in mind we got we got the Popeye. We can't, you know, we still got to respect Colonel Sanders. We got the, you know, him going out there. We got Popeye. We got all these chicken places popping up, all chicken sandwiches. And now, you know, you can go to uh, from a Mickey D's to a Wendy's and still get a chicken, chicken sandwich. sandwich. I got a question: so, Who is Kane? Who is Kane? Actually, do we know? No, probably that's another podcast. To let's disciple and, and invest and research all these chicken places. But actually, that's number two on the trend. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, when we look at security boards, which I'm really happy about yeah, that's actually on the on the, on the trends as yeah. being number three really? you know something that's been on trends for years as long as i can remember and that's a good old standby and that's comfort food 
Meatloaf. Okay. Meatloaf yeah, and yeah. potatoes. I mean, that's a good comfort food. Cheese macaroni. And, and nice. how many variations of cheese macaroni out there? And even the high-end restaurants jump in it and throw a little lobster in there. Yep. I do say a little. Yep. Yeah. And once again, they, they capitalize. Those are cost that. controls, Michael. <laughs> FYI, cost controls. <laughs> <laughs> number four. But uh, no, that, number five. That was five. Number five, we're looking at flatbread and healthier wraps. And, and you know, that's mm. when I and I think about um, something we talked about when we uh, had the uh, podcast with beverages and it's the health and wellness movement that's really pushing that. And it's the same thing when I look at some of these um, uh, top 10 trends. It's still, some of it, it has the underlying of health and wellness. Yeah. And it's the same thing with flatbread or with healthier wraps, you know, and really what's going in them. Um, one thing that's actually very interesting that I did not bring in in our overall discussion about the uh, state of the restaurant industry, and it's um, it's part of this trend, which is men, menu streamlining. I did talk to you about, I did mention to you about the, the restaurant tour that's offering a menu in a, a concise version of their menu yeah. because of, once again, seeing the popularity of off-premise and, and purchasing those things. But also what's happening in our industry is... Um, the changing menus based on the time of day and the mm -hmm. trends taking place that they're catering towards. And, you know, we would often say in the past, um, happy hour. Yeah, right. we, we would have discount drinks at this particular mm -hmm. time when it's not during our rush or our peak time. But now we're actually seeing the flexible menus and flexible menu pricing Ooh, yeah. as a major trend. Um, with restaurant tours and where you will see different prices. And that's all can be affected by the use of technology. It's not going to be on a printed menu, correct? Right. We're going to have technology that we can actually turn around and change our price. Think about this. Hypothetically, okay. think about this. I'm going to have a, a certain meal that I'm going to charge a price maybe from five until seven. And then from seven, depending on my history and my trend and what my um, occupancy or my mm -hmm. um, customer consumer um, demand is, I'm going to change that price after seven o'clock to nine o'clock where I can get a few more dollars for it. And once again, it's all done electronically. So yeah. it's not like a price menu and I'm pulling out price menu. That is something that came out in the overall state of the restaurant industry and how we're being flexible pricing on menus, once again, depending on the time of day right. and also the year. Nick, how did, you cool. with your, how did you deal with that stuff when you were, when you had your restaurant? Like if you had changes, it wasn't so easy, right? Well, you, you know, we had, back in the day, um, we had a lunch menu, yeah. with smaller portions, obviously, yeah. very similar to the dinner menu at a lower price, right. price points. And then we had our dinner menu. Yep. And then at a certain time, we'd switch over to a, what we call, quote unquote, a bar menu, which right. was lighter fare, um, less expensive. Yeah. And not only that, but it also eased the pressure off the kitchen, right? So not only did you save on the food cost, but you also saved on the labor cost because you didn't need, you know, three guys on the line yeah. um, producing the, the, the items on the dinner menu that were more complex, yeah. uh, more involved, um, so you sort of killed two birds with one stone, right? Not yeah. only did you save on quote unquote the, the food cost, but you also saved on the labor cost, which I thought, I don't know. I always kept that, you know, the two main expenses in any restaurant primary cost is food cost and labor cost, right? So if you have the opportunity to control both of those at the same time, it's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really not much different than what you did in the past, but we just streamlined yeah, it now. Yeah, no, it makes complete business. sense. Yeah. It makes complete sense. Well, well I'm going to tell you, you know, the restaurants <laughs> I'm affiliated with outside of here, um, two of them do that very thing. Uh, but they're still doing I was just sitting at the bar the other night, and they came out with, hey, here's the new fall menus all printed. Uh, right? 
So there's an opportunity for them, other than the website, because I did overhear them saying, hey, to add the calamari on as a happy hour discounted appetizer. There you go. Uh, because it doesn't say it on the menus, and we want to include it. So that's one. Yeah, but I think, think, think about what Michael's saying. Yeah. The, comp- the 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 ease of use um, by having a, a QR code or electronic menu. Yes. Instantaneously, you can go in and change the price, or even um, you know, you do your matrix and you see it. Uh, something's a dog, yeah. right? And you want to remove it off the menu. You, you you can do it in a split second Correct. and and just take care of that instead of spending more money on print the timing in order to print new menus uh, the cost involved and so on and so forth so I think that is just a phenomenal um, trend that's going on and I think it makes complete sense it's uh, amazing you know. to me it's taken so long for it to be a trend in the restaurant industry right, right? because we do that in, in, in travel, travel we do lodging. it in hotels we do it on airline <laughs> Airfare, tickets right? we do yep. it in literally everything in hospitality right hotel rooms change in the moment based no off doubt. of demand right no airline doubt. tickets used to tuesdays right used to be the best day to <laughs> yeah. book your yeah. airline ticket well, but me, i think that's even those days are gone from too, my right? from my travel agent days afternoon on tuesday before 12 noon on thursday right. yeah <laughs> but let, Mike, let, let but me I think pick even that's changed a little bit right. so it's just surprising that restaurants now i feel like because of the more device centric technology and mm-hmm. the fact we've gotten away from paper menus have the ability to, to kind of take advantage of that right. stuff too. Let know? me play devil's advocate, Michael. I'm going to pick your brain here. Do you think that technology and that manipulating the pricing would alienate customers? No, I, I think what you're doing is you're, I don't think it's going to alienate because once again, we, we talked about why recent people go out. We said that's the number one for socialization. And many people are not going to say, Hey, I was here two hours ago and that price was completely different. I mean, you're not going to, it's the same thing like we, we've done, um, in, as Brian already indicated in our tourism area. Right. We just after a while, you know, you know, maybe a basic system, but it could fluctuate depending on the supply and demand, um, of, you know, the oh, consumer. The consumer, yeah. yeah. I always wonder that is the quality going to be the same? Is the portion size going to be the same? Or am I going to get gypped a little bit because nothing's for free? Because if you think that way and if the quality isn't going to be the same, why are you going to return? It should always be the same. The Thank quality you. should yeah. be the Thank same. Very much. Always the airline the same. seats the same. The same. Right. Yeah. In, the, in, in a hotel room. The hotel doesn't change. Say, oh, no you're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to give you a cot yeah, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you're in the basement level tonight. <laughs> Very good. So I want to um, throw out, you know, as we yeah. just wrap up some of the final trends. Number eight. Number seven, but sriracha. What are your thoughts on this? Because now it's all different variations now. And this, I see this happening too. This might be wrong, but my thought tells me that this came with like the snacks. Remember how we had potato chips and then you got barbecue and then now you got flaming hot. And I just think that's, an, I'm a spicy guy. I love to eat spice. I know. I love to eat. <laughs> I know you are, Nick. Oh my God. So in, uh, I love, I love all things Tabasco, spice, sriracha. I love that thing. And I, I think it's great. I think it's great. I don't know what, triggered that to be honest with you maybe it's i don't know i don't know but i think it's definitely a trend because you go into a supermarket and you see a, an entire almost an aisle of of, of hot, hot sauce sauces. right yeah, different yeah, types yeah, of sauce yeah, you're right yeah 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 i think it's pretty funny yeah. cool um and then um when we look at number eight globally inspired salads 
And, uh, and, you know, and that's pretty cool. And it goes, once again, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm really thinking it's uh, part of that whole health and wellness health, movement. Yeah. You know, when you think of gold, nobody eats foods like American food in the big, large portions. So when you think something that's globally inspired, we're looking at healthy ingredients. I'm not saying Americans don't have healthy ingredients, of course, in our restaurants. But I'm talking about healthy ingredients, but smaller sizes, right? Yep. And so globally inspired salads, but all different types of ethnic foods are actually in these um, salads, which is really... Uh, you typically see like the Caesar or the Greek. Well, I'm a, right? I'm a salad guy. Uh, yeah. I'm a salad guy. So I love, you know, give me salads, man. And this is why you also see, you know, in, in, our, in our industry, once again, the, the salad works popping up yeah. in, in the different types of salad bars. I mean, this is also a major trend where we can actually pick those ingredients. And you're going to look at those ingredients too, because a lot of them have ethnic ties. No doubt. Um, you know, for the different Absolutely. types of chicken that they're actually preparing yeah. or the different types of vegetables that we can put on our salads. Things that it's an education for some of us when we walk through those salad bars nowadays. Number nine. Number nine is zero waste and sustainable um uncyclable uh, uncycled foods so once again you it's this sustainability is always going to be there we often refer to even things like farm to table um and zero waste and zero waste is huge which i'm really happy you know um johnson wales has a really great program in fact one of our fellow colleagues um tomorrow night will be going down to our colleagues at CFIT Culinary and um, all the food that they prepare during the week in the kitchens for the students to learn proper techniques are um, basically resourced and what they actually will do is they will put them in the containers and, and they will label them of course and they will date them and then they have um, larger um, distribution containers throughout the university where students could come and get the food no questions asked. And so, is this no at no cost? No cost. Wow. No cost. And, and once again, when you look about the, when you look at this, and this is a great way of zero waste and giving back. No doubt. Um, and and you're going to see that. I mean, you know, one of the things that it was funny, even though the restaurant uh, tours um, in our industry got hit dramatically with uh, COVID, those were the number ones people that were giving out, giving yeah. food, giving yeah, food no to doubt. the first yeah. responders, handing yeah. out packages of food to the people that couldn't afford it. So, uh, you know, they gave them themselves. And that's just the nature of our industry. And then um, finally, which I'm not surprised about Number as a major ten. top trend, and this is Southeast Asian food. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that, you're looking at the Philippines, the Vietnamese, and actually the Singaporeans, um, different types of foods. That's why I'm really excited to get on that international food trail in the Blackstone Valley and see what else is out there besides <laughs> Colombian and, and other types of food. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That was okay. That's the top ten hot hot ones, Michael. Thank you. You're welcome, my friend. So there's a lot of content here, Michael. Obviously, right? And these trends change regularly. Quick question overall: How often do you see that the trends that are predicted or that reviewed and the predicting come true, percentage-wise, from these organizations? Yeah, I, you know, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I look at ones, and I think I mentioned this on a couple of those trends. This one's been on the, the trend list for a while. This one's been on, you know, comfort foods, been there for a while. Sustainable foods have yep. been, been there for a while. Ethnic foods and different ethnic foods have been there a while. So I think sometimes they just regurgitate, and they actually jockey positions. I mean, and really, when I look at that, you know, I, I, I didn't see sriracha. That didn't that hasn't been around. But, you know, and, and menu streamlining, that hasn't been around but when you look at some of those globally inspired salads and you're looking at the health and wellness types of foods and you you know we started off with the number one the ethnic foods and we actually ended with ethnic foods when you stop and think about it with the south asian market so um those just basically will jockey in different positions but um uh, you know and then we talked about that with the beverage i've for the for at least uh 
five to seven years, I have seen the growth of the spirit-free and non-alcoholic um, creeping up, and, and now it's in the top five. So I got to tell you, I still can't get a, a, a damn Heineken Zero Zero. It's Odul still in so many places, or they don't have non-alcoholic beer, Michael. Yeah. I can't believe still. Well, you know, and this is why day and age. this is why we're working and we make presentations at the different major shows like the NRA and on the Bar Pavilion on to operators because everyone's you know a little bit cautious and you know how's it going to affect my bottom line? You know, we talked about this before. We made and I know in a different age now, but back in the day when we were in our restaurants, we made eight to ten cents a dollar on a dollar for food. But when we think about the beverages and how much money we can make on a beverages, and, and I use this joke before and I'll say it again, yeah. I call Starbucks five bucks because I can't work right. out without spending five bucks. Yeah. But when you think of much that, how much that cup of coffee actually costs then when you add the labor in, you know, the money you're making on that. And that's why there's one on every corner. I right? wonder, is there really something different they're doing there? Is it more of labor <laughs> issues? That, are they making that much more profit? I wonder often because I, I mean, I go to Cumberland Farms, it's $1.99 for. Twelve ounce coffee in the mornings. Yeah, and so what does that cost in Cumberland Farms, right? When you start to think about it, is that like a couple a cents, maybe? Yeah, yeah. What do you uh, think? Eight, eight cents. So yeah. they're still making that percentage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the quantity that they're selling, right? It's yeah. the volume. Yeah. So, and there's so many things tied in with it. style, branding. You know, who's cool, who's not, all that stuff. Anyway, Michael, thank you so much. This was great. Good. Glad. It's always yeah. a pleasure. Hope you have me back again. Looking forward Absolutely. to uh, your future podcast. You're a smart guy, dude. Keep up the good work. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. I kind of like you. I kind of respect <laughs> you over here. I'll tell you, you just pulled it together nicely. We appreciate that. So listen, uh, Nick, I hope you agree. We'd like to invite you back for a third interview, perhaps maybe season four, because we had talked about wanting to get into who is Michael Sabatoni, really. Right, because we don't really know a lot about you other than your work role here. The origin story. Yeah, the origin. Because yeah, sure. we did this with uh, the dean of CFIT, Jason Evans, and God, we really learned a lot about him, and he was engaged, and it was a really robust, rewarding conversation. And we didn't get a chance to do that with you today, but we'd like to send yeah. an invitation, right, Nick? I would love yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think it'd be great. I would yeah. love that. Yep. Before I, you retire. I'm a little bit guarded. Yeah, I, 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 you said that big word there. I am a little guarded, but well, I, I think you can break down some of those walls and we can talk. That's <laughs> exactly why we want to have you here. But right. we can segue into that, right? I mean, let's see, because we, we do a couple things here, Michael. I think you might recall. We have, we have Foodie Fight. We do mm. which is a good, fun trivia game. Um, we have been doing tastings and demos of food and product. We, what was our last one, Brian? We did coffee. It was coffee with that. Coffee with that. Coffee with that. Um, and we've got new comments, questions coming in from viewers. That's, we're going to add that into the mix. Excellent. And, um, we also have, who the hell are you? It's a new, it's a new sort of segment we did with Patty Bowman, I think was the first one, right? And it went really well. So, are we going to, uh, Nick, what do you think? Are we going to do that today? Is sure. it going to be foodie fight? Is it going to be, hey, Michael, is it going to be foodie fight? Is it going to be question and answer? Or is it going to be 20? Or who the hell are you with 20 questions? Okay. Hey, Nick, look at this. What is it? 20 questions. Oh, who wow. the hell are you? I think it's 10, not 20. <laughs> okay. So what do you think, Nick? You got something? I do. All right. So this is a rapid fire, rapid fire question and air. Questionnaire we're going to do with you. And it's just uh, an assortment of issues. Nick, Nick constructed these, actually. And um, and one quick answer right on the spot. Okay? Okay, ready? Ladies and gentlemen. Okay. okay. Michael Sabatoni, who the hell are you? <laughs> so, Michael, scary movies or thrillers? Scary. Excellent. Pop or rock music? Uh, pop. Really? Really? Interesting. Yeah. House party or pool party? 
Ooh. Pool party. Okay. Online shopping or in-store shopping? Oh, in-store. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Okay. I'm, I'm picking the oh, bungee jumping or zip lining? Zip lining. Okay. Yacht, private yacht or private jet? Uh, private yacht. Really? I'm a water mm. person. Anytime time okay. you water. Okay. Singing or dancing? Uh, oh. <laughs> it depends one, how much Nick. I have to drink, but I would say dancing. <laughs> okay. This one, I think I know the, aura, uh, the, the, the answer. Art gallery or amusement park? Oh, art gallery. Yeah, I knew that. Okay. I'm going to uh, text or phone call? Phone call. Ooh. I'm the same. I'll talk about it later. Go ahead. Cash or credit card? Cash. Cash is king. This is, you know, you, you always guys give me a hard time, but the George Cassandra's the wallet. Oh, it's my thick. God. It's a thick That thing weighs 10 pounds. With that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It makes up for the lack of the butt. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jeans or sweats? Jeans. Ooh. Laptop or desktop? Oh. Desktop. <laughs> desktop. Ah. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm I'm trying to pick the like the the more interesting ones here that I've got. Okay, this is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Loyal friend or funny friend? Uh, loyal friend. Loyal. I'm Italian. Okay. Hey, on. I think that's it. Right. It's pretty good. I think that's a couple a good things. Thing, right? That was fun. All right, thanks. So now we know who the hell you are, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate that. All right. All right, folks. So, Dick, anything else we got to cover today? I, I, I think, think we're good, I right? I think we're good. Wow. Michael, thank you once again. Blowing away. Going through the season. Next season. I mean, next next week. Next week. Dr. Bud. Dr. Bud. Join us. Brian, let's kick in some music. Let's wrap things up. Say goodbye to everybody. And thank you, Michael Sabatoni. We know your time is valuable. Certainly your opinion valuable. And we just like you. Right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. We appreciate you, too. Thanks. All right, guys. All right, hey, guys. thanks, everybody. See you later. We'll see you next week. <laughs>